Hello, everyone. This is your host, Manoj Tandon, with another episode of Dark Rhino's Security Confidential. Today, we are honored to have Zanette Kamal join us. She has a fantastic story. She's a recent immigrant from Ethiopia. She's also a cybersecurity professional. She's currently a cloud security engineer at Best Buy, also an award-winning children's book author, and is currently working on her master's degree from Georgia Tech in cybersecurity. Very talented person. She is, in addition to all these things, she finds time to be the director of community outreach at Black Girls in Cyber. Um, that's a full schedule, Zanette. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on, Manoj. I appreciate it. And thanks for that introduction. Wow, was that me? I don't think that's me. It was someone else. <laughs> No, that that's most definitely you. That is most definitely you. Do. And, and um, you know, just just looking at your background, I would have never guessed that you are a recent. When I say recent, nine years ago, I believe you immigrated from Ethiopia to the United States. Correct. Yes. I would have never figured on that. But now I, I gotta I gotta ask you, knowing that background, how did that happen? And and why the United States? Why not? There's so many places on this planet. True. <laughs> why Minnesota, I guess. It's a, yeah, why Minnesota? I always get it. I always get it. Yeah, you're right. So just to introduce myself, I mean you already did the introduction, but just in case you forgot, I'm a mom of four and a wife. I try to always plug that in as, as a first set of credentials because they're a lot of work. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that they're not going to jump in. Um, it's, it's still the summer. They might pop in here anytime. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Fun, right? I'm a mom yeah, of between the ages of 12 and, and two-year-old toddler. Uh, I did immigrate from Ethiopia nine years ago. And uh, the reason why we picked uh, the U.S. is because we won a diversity visa lottery. I think it's a lottery. Oh, wow. Every everybody everybody fills it out, you know, from around the world to come to the U.S. Uh, I think every country has a, its own quota to, you know, from okay. Ethiopia, from different parts of the world. So we wow. we, we we got that opportunity. So uh, at that point, I only had my my son. He was uh, less than three years old. Now he's twelve. I don't know how, how time flies, but uh, I was also expecting my second one when we moved here, seven months pregnant. So wow. uh, we thought, you know, it would be a good opportunity for the growing family. So um, and, and the reason why we, we picked Minnesota is uh, because that this is the place where we know one person to come to the U.S. And that happens to be uh, my husband's um, old high school friend. She, okay. she was living here. So we asked her, you know, we got this opportunity. Can we come? And she says, yeah, you can come. I'll welcome you happily. But I'm only in Minnesota for four days because she needed to go back to Ethiopia uh, after eight years of being away from her home country. And um, it was like, that's the best we can get. Like, we needed somebody. We've never seen snow. We've never experienced the snow. And, you know, wow. Minnesota is very... Yes, cold, very cold. No, we in the winter, so we we could take anything we can get. So we came here. She showed us. Um, we're always super grateful for her and her family. Uh, for after four days, we were on our own, um, figuring out. There's there's a lot of stories in that, but that's for another episode. <laughs> that's for another. No, that, that's that's fantastic. And from what I understand, you came here and you went into law, right? 
I was uh, in you didn't you didn't go or oh, you were you in law in Ethiopia as well yeah I had a law degree and I was working in the legal field um for a few years and then I came here and you know totally switched it up said uh had to go back to a, a school to to do something else but you practiced law here for a little bit you were involved with that profession for a period of time as well right no. so why leave it not, no, you weren't. Not in the U.S., only uh, back okay. home. Yeah, I even um, got an opportunity for scholarship to study like a, a postgrad in Tanzania, some in another African country, because uh, a lot of people think that Africa is a country, but it's a, a whole continent with 53 countries. <laughs> I always try to make a note of that. Ethiopia is just one country in Eastern Horn of Africa. But um, I, I was doing that in Tanzania, but when this opportunity came, I came. So it's a it's a complete revamp and um, switching career to go back to school from scratch, like going back to community college to do uh, technology, you know, like computer programming, computer science, and all of that journey began after I moved here back in 2013. So no tech background, um, nothing in programming, no, no word of cybersecurity until, I guess, 2017, I should say, yeah. Why cyber? Yeah. If you were going to make a career change, mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of careers out there. Why Absolutely. cyber? Then? Absolutely. When I came here, especially when you're making that pivot, it's a lot of thinking that you have to do because we route, right? People will tell you, go to nursing school. People will tell you something yeah. else. And then you have, you know, having a lot of opportunities sometimes can be very confusing. Like you have everything. We don't have that option. Like back home, if you came from a certain route, in your high school, you can only go to specific fields. Um, so, and because I thought I wasn't good at math, I chose the social sciences route. That's when okay. I get to pick, you know, law, you know, you can, you can pick business, economics and that type of fields, but I picked law um, partly because my family chose that for me too. Uh, but after, when I moved here and I thought I would go to technology, somewhere in technology, I still didn't know how vast it is. All I know is that like I have the opportunity. Now I get to do something I want, not something my family picked. They picked it because they thought it's a, a good idea that you would get money if you became a lawyer and a judge. <laughs> At one point, my mom must have said something like, um, if you become a judge, a lot of people will bring you cattle and camels and that type of things. I'm like, that sounds like corruption. <laughs> it's not that right. And, and, well, you know, their heart was in the right place. Yeah, but one thing, inter one thing interesting that I read about you uh, online, so I won't believe everything, but, you know, it, it was interesting. I think you had said that you shouldn't uh, ask your kids what they want to be when they grow up. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, is, you're right. Does that come from this experience that you, you personally had? Uh, because it's always changing, number one. Number two, I think we, we mold them into becoming something that we want usually. And I don't want to be that influenced because usually we have like a set of things that we know. We're, we're shaped by some the things that we know. And I know my mom, she, she intent, her intention was really great because I think her like, her father was like, traditionally, he is the person that people go to for resolving conflicts, like growing up. Okay. So she saw how much respect that he has in the money and people would come with things. And I always say that that's not the right. Um, but I mean, I was even successful, you know, being in that field. But for my kids, um, 
like choose something that makes you happy i think happiness comes first what they like i don't want to be uh influencing them but i could only be as a parent open uh, exposures um to things for example if it's cyber like you have this option of or, or, or tech like you can be anything you want Th those are also the things that i try to um, mention in in both of the books that i wrote for children's but yeah that that, that is the reason like i don't want to be influencing them uh, I don't know if it has to do with my my experience, but to answer your question and uh, 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 that you asked prior to that, um, cybersecurity. I haven't I haven't heard about cybersecurity until probably the end of 2017. Um, it was mostly you know me going back to technology, uh, trying to learn what I like. Uh, it, it's intimidating, absolutely, if, if you don't have the experiences, and especially if you're learning with people who are already from here and you don't have a lot of people who look like you within those classes, not one class, two, three, four, and you know, across the programming, computer science and computer programming, and myself trying to figure out what I'm doing, you know. Um, so uh, towards the end of 2017, I had this opportunity, I think I talked about it in a, in a number of places where uh, to participate in a cyber defense competition representing the university. And I became uh, part of that team somehow. Okay. It took a lot of work, but I think that is the, my first exposure into that world. And where I say that, you know, now I know what I want to do, you know, because uh, that happened during my senior year of doing my computer science degree. And I, up, up until that point, I wasn't finding my place. Yes, you're doing a lot of projects, a lot of deadlines on top of, you know, um, taking care of three young kids at that point, the fourth one wasn't there, but it's it's a lot of work uh so you doing another um activity which is that that's considered extracurricular activity uh the cyber defense competition one uh being able to self-teach and learn uh that i think kind of gave me that exposure to say that um i think i like cybersecurity. i'm gonna explore that i'm gonna learn more and um see what happens in the you know what yeah that's uh, you have to be a very driven person because you, you started off with you, you weren't so sure of yourself in math and science. And now you find yourself in with a computer science degree, which is heavy in logic. And you're doing a master's in cybersecurity that too from Georgia Tech, which is yeah. a very technically savvy school to, to, to put it in an understated way. Right. It's. Um, that, that's quite a transformation and that's quite mm -hmm. a journey. And I, I hope that's an inspiration for people listening. It is quite it a journey. Dead. It is quite a journey. It's quite a transformation. I always say like it's been nine years, but it always feels like nine days. I mean, cause, cause so many things happen that time flies so fast, right? I mean, the kids, the kids, um, you know, like uh, being able to raise a family while building your career on the side um, just feels like time really flies by so fast and um, and it's a lot of change too and and I did say that math I used to think that I wasn't good at math it was more like the fear of it I don't know why and then when I came here and decided to be in tech I mean there are courses that you have to face naturally and I had yes. to take a lot of math classes and what I did was if I'm gonna be this I'm gonna face it so what I did was I wasn't really bad at math it, may, it might have it might have been the teachers. I mean, some of the things that influence you into thinking that you're not good at it. And I think a lot of I learned that um, you know when I did presentations and stuff, a lot of people relate, especially women. They say that you know we thought we weren't good at math, but 
that's not true. And I, I had to do a lot of um, studying because I thought I was bad. I had to do it. And I ended up getting A's in all of the math classes, like college algebra, discrete math. You can think of all the math classes that you have to take to be in a computer science uh, or yes, computer programming classes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a lot of transformation, a lot of learning, a lot of being agile, I think. Uh, that's what happened in the last nine years, um, you know, from that community college to transitioning to a four-year degree to do computer science, still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be. Uh, I used to think that like, okay, so I finished this program, but who would want to hire me? Because I'm just, I'm just in an industry where I don't have exposure. And then once I found that cybersecurity field, before I even step into the real world is when things started to happen, you know, because... I, I did internship part-time. Uh, I was doing security certifications on top of, you know, the degree. I wasn't just relying on the degree because I had to complement it with a lot of the things. When I was interning, the interns were uh, younger than me because they were coming out of high school. But for me, I was transitioning from another field. But I think those kind of um, experiences to get a real world experience, especially if you're coming from another continent, I think you need to know the culture too, because it's a whole different situation. And if you're coming from being just a, a mom and um, a student, not having that experience, I think I talked about it, you need to have that transition coming from just talking to kids, yeah. you know, humans to talking in, in meetings. Like that was a transition that happened, I think, from my internship experience. Yeah. So let, let me ask you a difficult question then. And, and you brought up the question of culture. Mm -hmm. and, and, and culture is certainly, uh, I mean, Minnesota has a very different culture than Ethiopia. Have you, have you ever felt uh, or experienced uh, not that you were being held back because of your culture or your heritage? Uh, is that something that, that you've ever had to face? Or has it been pretty much smooth sailing? Uh, no, because I mean, in Minnesota, we have a lot of uh, immigrant communities, refugee communities. Um, so, I mean, I haven't seen that, like, especially in the spaces, I should say in the spaces that I have been, like the Twin Cities and that type of things. I mean, I haven't explored the whole Minnesota because it's a very huge state. Uh, but in, 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 you know, in schools and classes, like I said, you know, a lot of uh, the people used to ask me, even people who look like me, like they would assume that, are you in nursing or other fields? And when I mentioned computer science or computer programming, they would say, hmm, that's different, you know? Uh, yeah. And I get that. I've seen that encounter, like in <laughs> schools, uh, in school compounds and, you know, that type of things. But I, at workplace also, um, you know, it's not it's not diverse. I mean, we already know like cybersecurity isn't diverse as we would like it to be. Um, but I, I guess you know, for me, it, um, I see it as you know. I, I always talk about like it needs to be diverse. You need to be tapping to uh, you know uh, people from a whole perspectives of people from different backgrounds to solve you know the problem that we're facing within the industry. Uh, but I see it more me if i'm not going to be in that space if i'm going to be intimidated and go away uh who's going to be in that space right i we needed to occupy that space and say that we do belong to and then occupy that space and being able to uh thrive and show other people inspire other people and be inspired by other people as well so that you know we can uh, carve that path or open that path uh, for other people too so uh not not specific experiences but i haven't seen that there are people 
um, people who look like me, you know, being uh, in those spaces as much as I would like to see, uh, which would have been great. Yeah. And, uh, you, you've been uh, true to your heritage. You're very proud of who you are. You're very proud of being a mom of four people and, and being an author and having accomplished all these things. What is your message for people who may feel they are different or they have they feel like they have to conform to a certain set of rules because there's an expectation and not be true to themselves maybe yeah do you have any thoughts on that yeah i mean i i mean the, the one thing that we don't know about ourselves is that the unique thing that we bring or the special sauce or the special ingredient about any individual is just the fact that you being you you know, I can only be Zinette. I cannot be anyone else. And there are things that you get from me being Zinette, you know, and uh, everything that makes me me, right? Uh, all of the things like uh, the experiences that I have been in another field or me being an immigrant, um, the challenges that I face, not being able, you know, in tech um, and then being able transitioning, all of those skills and the transferable skills that you bring and then me as a person, right, a, a visibly Muslim hijabi uh, black immigrant woman uh, being in that in, in an industry where it's considered male dominated and um, less diverse. So I think showing up, showing up uh, pays off a lot. I think, you know, even on that, those hard days, um, it's, it's very helpful. And I, I'm not going to lie, sometimes it can be um, exhausting. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, there are self-imposed things that we go through sure. people when they see us. Uh, the first thing that they see are some of the things, the stereotypical things that they face. But I think you can only, um, you know, um, debunk that by just showing up and, uh, you know, showing people that you can be in such spaces and you can you do belong and uh, you can also achieve, um, you know, more than anyone else can. So I think it's, a, it's up to that person's um, commitment. It's the mindset. But it, it can be uh, burning sometimes like I face people and then I, I feel like I have to um, achieve more, you know, always I have to do more to 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 belong in those spaces. And that would bring us to a, another conversation of, you know, the, that imposter syndrome, which everybody else right. faces, which I do. And um, I think recognizing that and saying that, you know, um, I've done things and I, I have I should own it and I do belong and just pushing through our some of the Absolutely. Yeah. And then see, that's, that's an inspiring story. And, th and thank you for shedding some light on that because there are a lot of stereotypes. And um, I think the less, the more people get to recognize that people are more similar than they are different, uh, Absolutely. it will be a better place. Or the world would be a better place. I agree. So let's switch tracks a little bit and go to your profession. Uh, let's enter the world of cybersecurity. Now, you know, we, we have, and we'll talk about the enterprise and securing cloud and whatnot here in a, in a minute, but you wrote a children's book, right? Uh, oh, no, Hacked Again. I love the title. Right? <laughs> in fact, I, <laughs> I love that title so much that I might actually send that off as a, as a gift to some uh, professionals in the industry. Because <laughs> they keep getting hacked again and again in spite of all the things that they keep doing. But as a parent, mm -hmm. give all the listening parents some ideas on what they should do to keep their children safe in cyberspace, since you wrote the book on it. Yeah, I'd I love did. to hear. 
I did, and uh, it's my second children's book. The the one that I started writing first was titled "Proud in Her Hijab." I think it's in the background as well. Okay, that was "Proud in Her okay, Hijab." Right. I think it relates to the topic we talked about uh, to your earlier question about embracing your own identity. But the yes. second book, I have it here as well. Oh no, hat again. Um, <laughs> that got published this year. Uh, it came about from you know the experience of my own kids. Uh, being hacked during the pandemic while doing online gaming. Wow. Uh, but the concepts really translate to our experiences as an adult, how we, you know, clicking phishing links or not having the right password, not using MFA, and how we end up getting hacked. Um, so um, to to go back to your question, like some of the tips that are touched on, on the book, it's a story, it's a... Um, a transitional chapter book with a small chapters, five chapters of books. Um, okay. um, and um, the story um, has some themes that are driven from the story are um, how you should be protecting your uh, password, um, not sharing that. I'm just looking at some of the lessons here that are shared within the book at the end of it. And uh, it's not to share your password to, with anyone and also listening to your parents when, you know, cause we don't do that as much, you know, we, we give them gadgets and tablets, but I don't think we think about, you know, do we teach them about how to uh, have a secure password, a complex password or not to share it. I think with kids, well, I think well, that's- Will a child family. understand that concept exactly. though, right? Exactly, and I mean, if you don't build that, and we model that behavior to the kids, I mean, we do that and for having those conversations within the home, I think they get used to that and build that security mindset and culture. Um, and, and we as a family and parents are responsible to cultivate that culture, I think. And and that's the, the reason, because the book is meant to be a conversation starter uh, with between a parent, a grandparent and a kid, so that, you know, uh, the importance of being safe online. Like, uh, okay, we tell them how to cross the street, look left and right, don't talk to strangers, but do we do that in the digital world? Because those two seems to be blurred, especially after the pandemic, right? All the education right. is happening online. The games are happening yes. online, especially these online games are happening, um, I mean, online. And that, used to, that happens to be the only social networking that they, they, they do. And my kids, they don't have social media yet because they're young but uh and then uh, you know the conversation hap happens to grow even when you're um involving social media and this is we're only talking about chats uh for while you're gaming they use chatting platforms and then right. how do you protect them from online predators that are actively targeting children um so what can parents do for that though i mean yeah okay so the password i get but like if they're in a game and one of one of the biggest things is that these games the interactive nature of them where you can play with other unknown players from around yeah. the world is what makes them so much fun but that can also make them a uh, little dangerous exactly. as well Exactly. Right. So how do you how do you how do you prevent a child short of playing Big Brother and seeing who are they chatting with or exactly. what's going? Exactly. I always say that having conversation. I think the, the, the main thing is like having open communication to make them feel like they're safe to come to their parents whenever they're running into issues. I think that's the biggest one. You know, I mean, you can apply content filtering, you can do parental controls, all of those things, uh, which I discussed also in the book, but mostly 
um, it's having that open communication, you know, like you get hacked for whatever reason, how do you come back and to prevent that, uh, you know, like, do you have that open communication with your parents to, um, you know, it's not okay to share your password or um, how do you secure your account or um, all of the people that you talk to online, they may not be that 12 year old boy that you think it's, it might be an adult who's doing that, you know, like to, to, to avert those online predator dangers. Um, so coming to a, a parent and having, and all of these things that I touched on on the book actually happened in our life. And if it happened in one home, it's likely that it's happening in another family. So I think it's meant to teach kids, you know, through the story that um, it's, it's important to, to have that conversation with the parent to, to build that security culture. Uh, and when you're talking to people um, to, to be kind, because cyberbullying is another, another issue that's uh, you know, happening. Um, and, and, and you know, the words that you put out on the internet do matter. It's going to affect your life. Uh, knowing all of those things uh, is very important. But um, you know, to answer your question, I think having open communication um, and then, you know, you, you do apply to some extent those parental controls from your end because um, you have to block a certain things from their end so that you can protect them. But then um, I think I'm heavy on having that open communication so that they feel like they can share things with you, knowing what apps they're using, what software they're using, just getting involved in your kid's life, in their gaming life. I know nobody has time. Like my kids always ask me, like they even created an account for me to play with them, but I never logged in. I mean, I, I know what they're talking about. I always like, when I, whenever I'm cooking or something, if they talk about something, yeah. and, and then I'm always listening, right? I interject something like, whoa, how do you yeah. know that mom? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I know. I, I, it's, it's a few things that I pick just to show them that I know what they're talking about, what apps they're doing, and then just controlling their, their exposure as well. Like how much time are they spending uh, on a day on that device? Um, and then just limiting that time, we, we lock it. Like after a certain point, we lock it and they have to come and get that like as an exception. Otherwise, you know, they're limited on how much time they, they could spend. And those are some of the things that are mentioned, because especially in the pandemic, people were like not moving, just playing games. Um, so encouraging kids that you should be doing other activities as well that doesn't involve being online, such as reading books or doing activities, uh, because the book is meant for kids age 6 to 14, 13, and uh, that's the age group that, you know, uh, I think start talking about this small things that, you know, is going to be a huge thing when they grow up to think about, like, you know, to consider, you know. Uh-huh. Zanette, one thing that while I was hearing you speak that you've said indirectly is uh, something that we've said on this show many a times that cybersecurity is not an IT problem. It's mm-hmm. a business problem. And what you're, when you talk about having that openness of communication, you're kind of highlighting that in a big way, that it is very much a people issue. It's an issue of process of knowledge of people. Technology can help with parental controls and things like that in the world of children. Mm-hmm. But ultimately... If you don't have a place where uh, a child can come to a parent or an employee can go to an employer and tell them of things that have gone wrong or an employer doesn't share with an employee why certain policies are in place, how it makes them safer. It's not there to restrict them, but 
to give them more freedom to go do the things that they want to do without the fear of somebody with malicious intent harming them. Those are all business exercises. Those are all process exercises. Those are not technology exercises per se. Exactly. It's a combination of all of those things, right? I mean, even the awareness piece, like if we're not training them, because in the story, after she got hacked, you know, she panics, she feels embarrassed to share that with a parent. But, um, you know, they, the, the siblings have this conversation about, you know, our, our mom tells us uh, about not sharing these things. She's very serious about this. Um, and she, you know, our parents always encourage us to, to come to them. It's not only the training part, but also whenever something happens, you know, come to, to, to the parents so that they can do something about it the right way, not you deal with it for fear of, you know, that thing that you mentioned, you know, that, um, yeah, a lot of the concepts for sure translate to our business experiences, enterprise-wise or to adults. And, and they even talk about um, these things happen to adults too. Adults do also. Oh, they things. happen all the time. <laughs> all the time. That must have been the word I used. But um, yeah, absolutely. And that's the, that's the main message of it. And the other is, and we know that cybersecurity isn't that diverse, and I talked about it earlier, uh, is to uh, spark interest for young readers to consider cybersecurity as a career option. Because in the story, the mom who is you know saving the day uh, after the whole hack happened in the the, the, the chaos after the hack um, of that gaming platform, a major gaming platform that kids love, and um, it looks like me. The mom looks like me, and it's encouraging people that you know um, to to consider that option. And after the mom helped her, the the child you know sort of says she wanted to be in cybersecurity, helping other people, protecting people from this type of theft, you know, that data loss and that type of thing to become a cyber hero type of, um, you know, thing. So it's also to encourage um, young readers to consider fields such as STEM and cybersecurity um, through, you know, those illustrations and um, representations that are uh, portrayed within within the story. Um, yeah, I just want to mention that. So this is the, the page that I'm talking about. Uh, that is the mother. Some people say that she looks like me, but that <laughs> uh, so that when I do uh, the read aloud, so when I get invited to schools and talk about this and uh, the, the kids really, you know, they do play such and such games and everybody raised their hand, everybody plays the game. So that's how you get their attention uh, to listen and part in some, some of the messages that you share. And you ask them, like, I play for eight hours. No, no, that's not a good idea. You know, you should be limiting your time. And then. Uh, and instead of just saying that, play for two hours, don't play this, uh, giving them right. the reason how, how you should be protecting yourself online, I think um, that's really important when you're communicating with children. So let's, let's switch gears here a little bit and go to uh, the business world, the adult world. Mm -hmm. you, you spent a lot of time in cloud security. Give us some things that companies or businesses generally miss when it comes to cloud security things that they should be looking out for yeah so i started in my journey my cloud security um work after i joined best buy um prior to that i was working information security and it auditing when i joined you know the world of cyber and, and you know security space um but from my limited experience that i had in, in cloud security right um 
I think a lot of the conversation happened with not knowing the shared responsibility model, thinking that, you know, security, once you up it in the cloud, um, it's the responsibility of the cloud service provider. I think having that mindset can be very tricky and, and to, um, you know, allowing that misconfigurations that happen, uh, which is uh, the main, you know, I think every year a report comes out, I think the top, it always comes up at the top of the list for cloud security risk, like misconfiguration. So I think understanding the shared responsibility model or the split responsibility model, I've heard that word too. Uh, what is the cloud service provider responsible for? And then what, it, what am I responsible for as a client or as a user of that cloud services? It, I think makes a huge difference in knowing what you're responsible for and making sure that you're configuring things the right way. Um, and, and protecting your data. I'm I, so glad you said that. <laughs> I'm so glad. You, I, we've had several guests on here that have had this chat. And invariably, when we go out into the field and talk to clients or prospective clients or give talks, there's it's still all pervasive that if I use Microsoft, Microsoft's taking care of my security. If I use Amazon, Amazon's taking care of all my security. Why the heck do I need to do anything? And and your choice of words is very apropos. It It's a misconfiguration issue. You are responsible for your own data, exactly. for configuring your system and configuring access to it and ensuring the identities that go to it are, in fact, the correct identities. Amazon's not responsible for any of that. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I always right. say like anything that you're seeing on your console, that's something that you're responsible for. There are things that that's are shared. There are things that are shared. There are things that you're offloading to the cloud service provider. Um, but there are things that you're, I think, I think it begins from that. Um, knowing that responsibility helps you define what you're supposed to be doing as an organization and prioritizing that, you know, according to your, you know, business business goals. Are there um, configurations or things that you have seen typically that that uh, get skipped over? Like, I, I'll tell you one, I'll, I'll put one out there. One thing that we've seen is that people who use S3 buckets, a lot of times they don't secure the passwords on them to be <laughs> yeah, that's the main one. That's the usually that's what's talked about. I think there are there might be, you know, real real world, you know, breaches that happen as a result of that um, and coming up in a, a lot of the reports. But um, the other one is, I think, uh, embedding credentials and those credentials, you know, being accessible to public re repositories and that type of thing oh are my. also things like getting embedded in those things, I think. Um, there are a lot of things like that. Those are preventable, like with the right knowledge, I think. Um, having the right skills and knowing, you know, that responsibility and, you know, focused on that uh, instead of just, um, you know, um, I don't know how, what the word is, but proactively prevent those things, uh, you know, before you try to remediate things afterwards, you know, those are some of the things that I can think of. Yeah. Well, well, you've been a blue teamer as well. So, Tell us a little about some of the learnings from that experience. What was it like being on the blue team as opposed to the red team? <laughs> I mean, we're all defenders, like in a lot of the organizations that, you know, I, I, I get, at least, you know, in, in, in spaces that I've been since joining the industry. But uh, 
the the CCDC competition that I mentioned, like back in school, that's when I get to experience first time being in the blue team, uh, representing the university to participate in that simulated act of we have, okay, the red teamers um, sending us attacks and how are we defending that simulated organization from attacks uh, and reporting that accurately. Um, uh, that, that was my first line of experience, like being a blue teamer uh, in that uh, CCDC competition. What, so was there a, um, translating that to real world experiences, are there things that you see attack sorts that happen regularly that you have to defend against on an ongoing basis that, that you have seen come up? Mm, not, not directly. I mean, I haven't, I, not, I haven't worked in an incident response or, you know, th those type of teams. But I've worked as an IT auditor. I've worked as an information security engineer. That's like, right. How to defending like um, you're a society, like the defense side of things, right? Uh, and then um, now, like in cloud security, advising uh, how to best securely uh, use cloud services or how to configure them, um, working in collaboration with the business or the cloud security engineers, the cloud security um, operations and architects. Um, but I mean, um, cybersecurity, it's, it's diverse. Um, you can choose the side of the, the red teaming <laughs> or the offensive side of it and the defensive side of it. And, and you have so many options within, within those spaces and categories. So you're a certified CISA auditor, right? Yeah. So what, when you're going into audit a company or looking at their, at their profile, are there things that you would advise them to prep for before you even come in to the business to take a look at it? Yeah, uh, so I, I, like I mentioned, my first role within the cybersecurity industry, like when I joined was that IT auditing, and that's when I explored this certification, the CISA. And I not a, um, so I was the internal auditor, part of internal auditing. Okay. So we were auditing mostly the cybersecurity practices of that organization within a local government. And we were checking, we have certain, you know, frameworks. That's when I learned about the NIST cybersecurity framework or the CIS. And based on that, how are we um, ensuring that um, it's complying and um, that, that the controls that we have internally are effective? Uh, to make sure that the cybersecurity practices um, are being followed or the policies are being followed. So more like a, um, a compliance um, and internal auditing type of role. Um, and I worked there for about two years before transitioning to the state government to work in the information security engineering spaces. Um, so um, I would say based on, I think you need to have like a framework that you're using and then making sure that, um, you know, uh, based on those uh, accepted industry uh, practices, um, how are we complying that and how are we ensuring that and testing those controls, uh, making sure that the compliance is achieved or not, or, or, or things are operating effectively uh, from um, a security policy and control perspective. Now, do you, since you have government experience uh, and you've done this audit role, mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts? Do you think... Um, most government entities, whether at the state level uh, or federal or as the case may be, have gained a lot of awareness on cybersecurity or do they still have a long way to go? 
I mean, I don't have experience with federal. I worked in uh, state and local government for a couple of times. But um, I mean, it depends on the organization's maturity level. I mean, they're, they're all doing the best that they could based on um, the maturity level that the, you know, the security programs are. And I think that um, they're doing their best. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a question for, for every um, organization, right? Um, I think it's a matter of how are you taking security um, as a priority. Uh, so um, I think, you know, uh, based on my experience that I have, I think uh, they do. They, they do the, their best <laughs> and try to achieve what they can, you know, be it protecting uh, their citizens' data. And then, um, or, you know, if it's a private one, how are we protecting our reputation and, you know, our, protecting our um, profit, maximizing profit without, you know, ending up on the news uh, for the wrong reasons, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. Oh, that that's a, I think uh, the media has probably done more to uh, awaken knowledge on cyber than anybody could have possibly done because this problem's not old. It's been there ever since the dawn of computing. It's just now it's come to the foreground. Right. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about that too. You know, like, um, yeah, the more priority because because the leaders and the executives now probably because things are showing up. Uh, you know, they might take things seriously to act upon things um, proactively versus you know to counteract something after it happened. Uh, well, there's a lot of reactiveness in this. Exactly, industry, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Um, I know we're getting towards the end here, but I, I did have one last question sure. and then I, I want to open the floor to you to, sure. to talk about some of the things that you're doing. Um, if, if you were addressing the people back in Ethiopia that may be looking for a way to better their careers, would you have any advice for those folks? Um, I mean, for anybody, I mean, for anybody, immigrants or, um, folks everywhere, right? If you have that vision or goal of um, um, achieving or you feel like some, you have to do something about it or if you wanna, um, if you're not doing something that you love or like something you're passionate about, right? Uh, it's never too late to do it or to redo it. I think uh, if I've done it, I think anybody can. Um, I mean, when I do this whole transitioning, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like there, the, a lot of the people that I was doing an internship when I started was like, they were very young people from high school and I'm do, redoing it from, from scratch. And, um, you know, I would say, uh, whether you say that, you know, I'm already too late or not, time is still gonna fly, you know, time is still gonna go whether you decide to do or embark on that goal or not. So I would say, you know, um, have, have the goal and embark on that journey. Uh, and once you start it, you never know, you, you don't know how time flies and you'll be able to achieve those things with the right focus and the right mindset um, that you put into it. And you're capable of achieving whatever you set your mind to. If I can do it with, with, while raising four young kids, um, you can. I mean, I, I, I am always um, a continuous learner. I mean, you mentioned about the, you know, the, the grad school that I'm doing, uh, hoping to complete that by the beginning of next year. Um, I have three more classes, uh, yay to that. Uh, it's been a long journey, you know, whether you take it uh, slowly or fast, I mean, it's all about 
having that goal and uh, knowing why you want to do it. It's always, I think, critical if you have that why of why, you know, I think it gets simpler even on those hard days. I think it gets easier to, to achieve those things because you're thinking about your why and why you're doing that. And for me, I think I mentioned that a couple of times. Um, I, I want to show my kids, especially my girls, that uh, that I could be the right role model for them. Like if they want to embark on such things, uh, if they want to rebuild or build their career, if they want to transition, that it's, it's, it's possible because they've seen that kids... Uh, see and, and believe uh, what they see versus, you know, what you tell them. So I think uh, I've seen that, I've, I've shown them that, you know, with the career um, rebuilding and restarting and then uh, how to be able to thrive within that, within that industry, not only through education, but like if you want to pursue that certification, because they're involved, like I, I, I tell them what I do. Um, and, and it's a sacrifice too, right? So they needed to know uh, that, you know, it's a sacrifice of time uh, when you're rebuilding something. Uh, and then even when writing the books, right? Because I know nothing about self-publishing or writing a book, but just teaching myself and what, being able to walk with them through that journey of, okay, now we need illustrations. Oh, now how does things fit in? Does it make sense? Does it become a book? And then showing them. Uh, and then when the books won an award, like they say that, oh, mommy, now we have a book. Can you believe that? Like six months ago, we didn't even have it. It was just an idea. Now we have a book. And sometimes like they talk about it in disbelief. And and I love the fact that they're saying we have a book because I, I get to involve them. The characters within the book are them. The names used are them intentionally because they need to see themselves represented in the literatures that they read. They need to see and hear their names within, you know, and characters that look like them within those things. So um, if you have a goal, I think you can achieve it. You're not defined by your parents say who you should be. You're not defined by what the society says you should be or that you have to stick to one career just because you are way into it and you have other ambition and you're not in pursuing that because you think you're old. Uh, those things are, I think, getting old themselves. So I think um, those are some of the things. See, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very nice message. Right. Uh, th thank you for sharing that, actually. That, that's, that's a very, very nice message. Tell us about, you have two minutes left. Yeah. Uh, before we get, and, and we're grateful for your time. We don't want you to, uh, you know, use up more of your time than, than, than we should. But last two minutes, any new books, talks, anything that you're getting involved with, any place you want to, anything you want to plug? Yeah, I think in the beginning, before the show started, I mentioned that I, I achieved another certification just yesterday. And I just found out the that, like that I passed to this morning, I was super excited about that one. I mean, continue learning, that's what I wanna say, continue, especially in cybersecurity, you, you can never say that, you know, I have a degree and I'm done, I just work and go home. Yeah. You always have to be continuously learning, I think uh, that's the challenge of it and that's the exciting part of it too, I think both ways. Um, but I'll say thank you so much for uh, bringing me on this show to talk about this really interesting topics that we really uh, chatted about. Um, I want to say uh, check out my books, uh, my children's books, Absolutely. all of them. Proud and where can they find them? If people want to buy them, where can they be bought? Yeah, so Amazon, it's Amazon, it's on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble. And I, uh, and if you're looking to get a signed copy, you can get it from my website, www.zinatkamal.com. I also have Wonderful. a website. 
guys. And yeah, so um, check out the books I've recently been featured on um, GMA, Good Morning America, to share uh, some of the tips for parents on how to you know, stay safe online uh, based on the story of the book and the lessons from the book. So check that out as well. Um, and just be go ahead and be great. <laughs> Everyone who's listening already, you're doing all the right things. Go ahead and be great. Well, uh, Zanette, it's been a pleasure to have you. And don't be a stranger here when uh, you write your next uh, book or uh, you do your next major accomplishment in the world of cyber. We'd love to have you back to talk uh, a lot more. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much, Pranaj. I appreciate that. Yeah, this has been fantastic. Everyone, Zanette Kamal, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Thank you.